Hello and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week I have with me um, Steve Rawlings. I'm going to say hi to everyone. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Uh, we're happy to have you. All right, so Steve is actually a listener and he made a mention about how he's been listening. And I said, oh, does that mean you want to be on here? Mm. I guess that was my mom. but <laughs> So now he's here. Um, he goes to church with us when he's in the area. So, But let's start with a prayer, guys. Dear Lord, please be with Steve and I as we do this. Please just give us words to speak that will bring glory to your name and will show others about who you are and the amazing things that you can do in people's lives. Um, amen. Amen. All right, Steve. So where are you from? I'm originally from California. We okay. moved a lot. I've lived in a lot of states, actually. Mm -hmm. But for the last 10 years, I've lived in, we've lived in Thailand. Okay. Before that, we were in Cameo, or Orofino for about eight years, and then we moved away. Yeah. And now we come back. My parents still live in the area, so every year we're, we visit Orofino. Okay, yeah. I know I've seen you guys visit off and on, so that would make sense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And so tell us about your um, religious background. Well, I was born an Adventist. Okay. Um, went to 16 years of Adventist education. Um. Throughout all of that time in Adventist education, I didn't really pick up the idea that the church had a mission mm. and that there were missionaries going all over the world <laughs> and um, we had a commission to spread the gospel. And it was until I was about 30 that I realized I didn't really know why I was an Adventist and mm. what if, if I had been brainwashed all these years <laughs> or and I really started searching and seeking what Mm -hmm. Does is Adventist really the right faith, and did, is the Bible really trustworthy? Is God's word? Can we trust God's word? Mm -hmm. And does he does he do what he says he'll do? Mm -hmm. And so this was kind of the search we were. I was on at the time. Yeah, as terrible as it sounds to like start questioning your faith, I think that's actually a good place to be because that's when it often changes from like this is the faith that I've been raised in to this is what I believe like you're saying about brainwashing you know you're not getting to the place of questioning you're not just accepting <laughs> right. what you've been told or what you've right yeah but you're saying is this true yeah that's right we so that was the big focus and I was about 30 at the time okay and um that is kind of when God started leading me, and I got married at right about that same same okay. time. So my wife and I were searching at the same time, which was nice. Yeah. And um, God was taking us through a process that has brought us to a point where we are today. Of um, we can tell anyone that God's word can be trusted, mm. and um, I kind of just wanted today share about how God started that process with us. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. So you can jump in and start telling. Well, the first thing I want to, I want to start with the first time um, God led us through a process that took us way out of our comfort zone, which we found is a happy place to be most of the time. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little scary at times. Yeah, nobody but, wants to leave a comfortable spot. <laughs> right. But so we had been studying and searching God's Word for about a year. We had, in the process of our, our first married, 
year of marriage, we had moved to um, Oregon. We rented a 10,000 square foot building. And the plan was we were going to supply furniture to a couple of shops in San Francisco. And they were setting it up for high production and we were going to manage and oversee the process. Mm. But God had a different plan. As we were studying and we would read through this book and we'd read something about health and diet and then we would go over here and we'd read this term indulgence of appetite and then we would be reading the next day in a different book and we'd run across this term indulgence of appetite mm. and for a whole week that's all we heard and i thought finally i said what is indulgence of appetite what does this mean i keep every doesn't matter what book we read that term comes up and then we attended a camp meeting in Oregon, and we found out about, um, to us, at the time, we were eating out at restaurants and spending $50 a meal and wow. maybe four or five times a week. Mm -hmm. And for us, that was indulgence of appetite. We were wasting money on food. Mm -hmm. to, that's, that was our conviction. Uh -huh. And um, I think a lot of people, like... Um, like for most of my life, my family, we've lived out of town. And then when I went to college, it's hard when you move to a convenient place, you're like, but the food is right there. I, it's, yeah. it's just so easy. And I've seen friends that I've had just, you know, all the time and you start to calculate, you know, what it costs to eat at home versus what, what it costs to go out. And you're like, right. Yeah. And nowadays it's just expensive. It's back then that was a lot of money for a meal. Nowadays that's kind of could be an average to even be able to eat out. So it's something that each person is has to decide for themselves. For sure. But for us, this was yeah. a big step. Mm -hmm. And um, as we're going through this process of making changes in our own personal lifestyles, um, the, the, the business plan started crumbling and falling apart. And all of a sudden, the people in San Francisco said, we don't want to invest after all. And they didn't have the funding. And so wow. we were like, well, great. Now what are we going to do? That's we had, scary. Yeah, we had moved from California. We had um, rented this 10,000-square-foot building and set it up for production. And now they weren't coming through with their end of the bargain. Oh, and wow. So it was. It came to the point that we just needed to close it down, and we weren't sure what we would do. But um, my wife's parents had property in Oregon. We went there, and we were we were just living there with them as we were trying to figure out now what should we do. Mm -hmm. During that process, um, we read a newsletter from a ministry in Australia, and it said um, Carpenter needed to help us build our training center. And I, th and I don't know, we thought, well, that sounds interesting. Maybe we should just go there and help them build their buildings mm -hmm. for their, um, it was a health medical missionary okay. training program. And we thought we could just, I'm a builder, we could do that. Yeah. And so we started thinking and focusing on that. And, and we decided that we'll, in order to go, we're going to have to buy our tickets. Mm -hmm. And then we were, our comfort zone was $1,000 cushion because we didn't know these people we mm -hmm. thought we'd be there at least three months we didn't know if they were going to just leave us out in the cold and we were going to take care of ourselves <laughs> and so we thought well if we have a thousand dollars we will be that we can get by mm -hmm. so that was our goal and we started going to um they're called 
flea markets. Okay. Every Sunday we would drive up to three hours and sometimes we would go Friday and we'd camp over the weekend and be six hours away to, oh, wow. to go sell all the little things that we had to mm -hmm. um, raise the money to go on this trip. Mm -hmm. Well, after three or four months of going about every Sunday and selling and we had a few tools from the shop we closed down that I put in um, other stores on commission consignment so okay. that they could sell it for us. And so this was all going on and we were just slowly building up our funds and it came to the point where we had enough money for the tickets. There was a deadline on the tickets. We had to buy them by a certain date mm -hmm. or they'd be going up $300 each the oh, next wow. day. Well, we're getting down to a week before that deadline and we're counting our money and adding it up. And now it's just a few days until deadline and we can add up our money and we have enough for the tickets. Oh, wow. But we don't have that $1,000 cushion. And so oh. my wife is saying, we can't go. We don't have the, the $1,000. We can't do it. But I think God gave us this much. We need to just give it a try and see if it's his will. Mm -hmm. He can supply the rest later. Mm -hmm. And so somehow we ended up, she agreed. And we went to the bank and we got a money order. And we, or we transferred the money to the travel agent. And... Um, and now we're broke again. Mm -hmm. We're leaving for Thailand, or Australia. no, for Australia in one month. And um, we don't have our $1,000 cushion of safety and comfort. So we, um, on the way home from the bank, it's about 30 minutes to our house. Lynette, my wife, is crying in the seat beside me. Aww. We've only been married a year, and I'm, I'm thinking, Lord... What am I going to do? Is she going to leave me? Oh, what, wow. what should we how, can, help me figure out how to raise that $1,000? Well, just as we were pulling into our driveway, mm -hmm. the thought came, why don't you call those shops that have your tools? Uh -huh. So I went in, I called, I called the first one, there was two. I called them, they were three hours away, mm -hmm. but they said, we just, this was a Monday, mm -hmm. we just sold your tools this weekend, um, we owe you some money. I said, great, I'll come up on, we'll come Wednesday and pick it up. Didn't tell us how much. Mm. But, so I hung up, called the other shop, and it was in Portland, six hours away. Oh, wow. But they said, he said, we had left three tools with him, and he said, I haven't sold any of your tools, but I think I'm going to. I'll just pay you for two of them. The third one, I'm not sure I can sell, but I'll get, I'll, I'll buy the two from you. So, I say, great, we'll be up on Wednesday to pick up the money. Mm -hmm. And so Wednesday comes, we go and we gather the money, and how much do you think there was? A thousand. Exactly, oh, wow. $1,000. And so we were confident that God was sending us on this trip. That's exciting. That's and, awesome, though, That like, because sometimes you don't always get the confirmation before you leave. Yeah. But God told you beforehand, and... We were new to this. Nowadays, we can leave. When when we left for Thailand, we had $900 in one-way tickets. Oh, wow. And that was 10 years ago. Oh, wow. And so we couldn't have done that on our Australia trip. No. God starts us where we're at, and and he teaches us and works with us. And over time, we're, we can, we're willing to be more uncomfortable as mm -hmm. we grow. And mm -hmm. so, so through that process... 
we didn't know for sure why we were going to Australia other than just to help them build. Mm -hmm. But it turned out that God had a huge lesson for us to learn about who he is. And when we got to Australia, we found, well, before we went to Australia, we had heard the director of the program. It's a health center. There was about 30 staff. Mm -hmm. And then the director, and they ran 10-day um, health education programs. Okay. It was like 10 days on, four days off, 10 days on, four days off, year round. It oh, was wow. pretty, they were constantly full of people. But we had heard him do a talk on um, poisonous snakes and reversing the venom by using electrical shock. Oh, interesting. And he had been in Papua New Guinea and somebody had been bit by a snake. He didn't have a they use stun guns a lot. Okay. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. But, um, he didn't have one with them, and so he took the battery of a motorbike and put two wires on it and did it that way. And it actually um, neutralizes the venom so that it's not poisonous. Oh, goodness. I heard they use the same technique on the border in Texas and okay. for rattlesnake bites. Hmm. So but is I, it like... Most snake bites, like I guess so, because oh, these are not rattlesnakes in yeah, uh, New in, Guinea. These yeah. are serious snakes. Well, we had also been told that nine out of the ten most deadly snakes in the world mm -hmm. live on this property that we're going to. Oh goodness! <laughs> and so we're thinking snakes and electrical um, stun guns. We need to get one of those stun guns. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would be thinking. <laughs> Oh. So we called him. We went to the like a sports shop, and there was like nine or ten different kinds of stun guns, and mm -hmm. they all have different voltages. Uh -huh. And we're like, we don't know what we need. And so we actually called Australia, and we said, I talked to the director, and I said, we were looking at stun guns this week, and how much voltage would you use if you to on that and he said oh i'd get about forty-five thousand watts but we just sold our stun gun i said oh why he said well we claim the bible t t we we claim luke ten nineteen, and we don't worry about the stun gun anymore and luke ten nineteen says i give you power to tread on serpents and mm. scorpions and i'm thinking oh okay <laughs> well okay if you're not using a stun gun i'm not going to worry about it either we'll just think about luke 10 19 uh -huh. and so that was a new concept that was like a seed planted for us and that is when we got to thailand oh, i keep saying thailand because that's where i am but yeah. when we got to australia we um we met these people and it was amazing the program it was the first time i had ever heard about the health work being the entering wedge for the gospel mm. and so they would have 20 to yeah around 20 people each 10-day program mm -hmm. and, and so are these people that just came from the community these are from all over the country of oh, australia wow. and they're sick people some mm. with cancer some with one one lady we met had grown up in the mission field and every year her dad had painted the bottom of the the hut that they lived in with this insecticide to kill the termites so oh. it wouldn't eat the hut up. Uh -huh. And when she would go into the steam room, 
that orange stuff, this orange stuff that they were spraying on the tent was coming out of her skin. Oh my goodness. And after she stayed for 20 days, and when it was over, she was like a new person. Oh, wow. She came there. Her husband was about to divorce her because mm -hmm. she was she had adrenal fatigue, and she, she was totally just sick. just sick and couldn't do anything. They had children. She couldn't take care of them. She left there like an amazing person with energy. And, oh, wow. and so when we saw how this program can work, but she didn't leave with just health. She left with the gospel. That's she knew awesome. about Jesus. Yeah. And I, for me, that was like, this is the life. This is what we need to be involved in. Mm. And um, we just, God gave us an amazing experience. Is there a couple of sto quick stories is, we were staying in this um, camping trailer on the property, and you had to walk through this grassy, mowed grass field, to, mm -hmm. and the trailers were down below. And this day I was walking from the building site, and I was looking down at the trailers, and there's kids playing tag or something. I'm focused on them. And as I'm going down this little trail, it's really just a worn path through the grass where everyone uses. Mm -hmm. And... I, I hear this rustling on the ground, and I look oh. over, and here's this big black snake going into the bush, just about, I don't know, 10 or 15 feet away from this cut grass. Uh -huh. And um, the next day, the kids found that same snake coiled up in the trail where I was just about to step. Oh, goodness. And it turned out to be, it's called a king black, and it's the 32nd... You're dead in 30 seconds if you get a full venom, a full oh, wow. bite of its venom. And so, so that reminded me of Luke 10, 19. Yeah. And, oh, wow. And I'm like, wow, this is good. And we saw, we probably saw all nine of those deadly snakes oh, in goodness. our three months there. They didn't tell us that it was snake breeding season when we arrived. Oh. So snakes were very active and they were very aggressive protecting their nests and it was kind of interesting. <laughs> Probably. So, oh, goodness. I do not like snakes. I don't either. That was really, yeah, that was a big scare for us. But, but the biggest thing that changed our lives at this experience we had there was during the program, well, in Australia, to the drinking water is collected from the roofs. They don't have wells. They're, they're too oh. deep. They can't get water from the ground. Mm -hmm. So it's all rainwater that's collected in these big tanks. Mm -hmm. And um, the tanks usually will last for a month, but because of the, the program, the, so many people using water so much, oh. it wasn't enough. We needed a bigger we needed to move the tank to a larger roof, mm -hmm. which was up the hill from the sanitarium or the health center. Mm -hmm. um, we needed to move it on a Wednesday. Uh, well, the, the cleanse program would end Tuesday. So Wednesday morning, we're tearing that, we're draining that tank, we're taking all the pipes off, and we're moving it up the hill to this bigger house. Mm -hmm. And then we need to hook it all back up by Friday and then it needs to rain Friday night and Sabbath and be full for the cleanse on Sunday. Mm -hmm. That was what that well, was the, the program plan. was uh -huh. planned. That was the plan. Well, that uh, I'm saying, okay, whatever you say. But um, Wednesday night, we went to the prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting was really cool. I really like this system where they would, everyone would, there was probably 30 people there. Everyone would give prayer requests. 
and they would write them on a whiteboard. Mm -hmm. And then after all the requests were on the board, everyone opened their Bible, and they searched for as many texts as they could find promises to put beside the, each one of those requests. That's cool. It was really, I really thought that was a great idea. And yeah. we never had linked God's promises to our requests oh, really wow. before. That's so interesting because I know that my Sabbath school just talked about that last week. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was talking about, you know, linking the promises to your prayers. It's amazing yeah. how we can plan our lives based on what God says he'll do and mm -hmm. we can and he'll come through if we believe him well now that I've heard it twice I feel <laughs> I need to it's listen time to start <laughs> recognizing the promises when you hear them and mm -hmm. seeing how to apply them but as we did this we had the request we need this scenario of the rain to come Friday night uh -huh. but don't come Sunday because it'll be uncomfortable for the guests to get moved into their rooms uh -huh. and things so stop Sabbath evening and then Everything will be nice for the guests when they come. Mm -hmm. So that's the request. Well, after prayer meeting Thursday morning, we're out working and going about our our daily activities. And I hear somebody say, we better get the tools out of the garden. It's raining Friday night. Another person said, we've got to finish painting that building. It's raining Friday night. And the whole talk by all the staff was, it's raining Friday night. We've got to get all this uh -huh. things in order because it's raining Friday night. Because they, they planned the weather and they prayed about it. So. I guess so. And so that was a new experience for yeah. us to say, okay, we've asked for it. We've put a promise beside it. God said he'll send rain. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to prepare for that. We're going to plan. We're going to live as though it's going to happen. Wow. That was a whole new way of thinking for me. Yeah. And my wife. And so... Friday night, we go to bed, and uh, it's not raining yet, but about midnight on the top of our camping trailer, it was just pouring. I don't know if you've ever experienced a tropical storm, but they are extremely loud. It's almost like a hailstorm, but it's not oh, hail. Okay. It's just gigantic drops of oh, water. Wow. That'd be cool. And it's, it's, there's, it's a ton of water. I was in Africa once on a trip, and it started raining. We were we were walking in Africa, in Congo, we were walking everywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, we were about a mile from our house and it started pouring down rain and we just started running. In fact, they gave me a bicycle and I was riding a bicycle to get out of, get back because uh -huh. it's pouring really hard. Wow. When I got to the house, both of my shoes were full of water. I was soaked. It oh, just wow. rains. It's rain. It can yeah. rain really hard. So this is the kind of rain that was happening. Well, by 7 o'clock in the morning or so, it was done. There was no more rain coming. Sabbath was an amazingly clear, beautiful day. And um, they checked the water tank, and it was 80% full. Wow. Plenty of water for the program. And so we're like, amazed that here they asked for it and here it is yeah well the, the 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 icing on the cake for us was at church there was a lady gave a testimony during praise time mm -hmm. she said i was at prayer meeting on um this last wednesday and we prayed for rain so my husband and I, they owned a farm about a mile down the road from the health center. Mm -hmm. And she said, my husband and I were out digging a, a ditch, a pond, mm -hmm. preparing for it to be filled with water. And oh, our, wow. our neighbor, our farmer neighbor came over and he said, how did he put it? He said, 
it's going to take a miracle for you to get any water in that hole this time of year. Oh, wow. And she just turned to him and said, well, we prayed for rain last night. We're getting ready. And he goes, you Adventists are strange people. <laughs> and he just kind of left it. What well, a witness, though. Yeah. Well, here's what happens. Sabbath morning, they get a knock on their door. Uh-huh. And she opens the door, and that farmer's standing and says, I don't believe this rain that happened. It only hit this community, and none of the other nine little cities around us got a drop. Oh, my goodness. I want to know more about this God you pray to wow. and how he takes care of you. Yeah. And so right there, her and her husband set up Bible studies with their farmer neighbor. And That's awesome. we thought, this is an amazing way to think and to That's, live. It and is so, awesome. And it's cool how, like, you know, like they're praying for rain for the center you're working at. And then these people claim that promise too. And it doesn't only benefit the yeah. original people. It benefits, like God's miracles, like yeah, they spread out. They like don't just help one person. Yeah, that's right. And they were at the prayer meeting, so they knew about the yeah. raid coming. And they prepared also. And God blessed them as that's well. That's so awesome. And, so, and then bless their neighbor. And then their neighbor, I don't know what the story, this was a while ago. Yeah. So I don't know how, I mean, where that he is. But he, he started yeah. setting. So... We went back. We were ready. We're going to move here. We want to be involved in this mm -hmm. program. And we came back to America when our, our three-month ticket, our plane was returning. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we were working on renewing a visa to go back to stay longer and work with them. And mm -hmm. we, the visa, we could not get a visa at that time okay. because foreigners weren't allowed to really work in Australia. Okay. And, and I don't think they are still. But anyway, that door shut. And then from that point on, we've just been... At that time, we started going to um, different health centers in America and helping them get started. So mm -hmm. we would go to this location and build and help them for a while. Then we'd go somewhere else and help them build. Then we had a child and we're still traveling. <laughs> and we had another child and we're still traveling. And when, when our daughter was four years old, she said, Daddy, where do we live exactly? <laughs> because, oh. because we were moving every four to eight months, we oh, were going wow. to another area to help someone else build up a, this health center. Mm -hmm. I really believed in the health work as the entering wedge for the yeah. gospel. And so our purpose in life now, as we, as we have gone step by step, and I have so many stories. I don't know how long I've been talking yet, but I have tons 20, of stories. 26 minutes. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to bring <laughs> this to an end, and we can talk again anytime. But, um, <laughs> you have an hour if you want it. <laughs> okay. Well, I can get into some more stories, but as we were just learning how to take God at His Word mm -hmm. and going through experiences, we weren't doing anything. I mean, we were helping people start centers, and it didn't seem like mission work to us, mm -hmm. but it probably was. I yeah. mean, I don't know. We just were doing what we were convicted to do. Mm -hmm. And and through all of those experiences, God was training us. As I look back, God is training us for a bigger work mm -hmm. that we didn't, I mean, we had no idea of at the time. And we have different experiences where, where um as we're, I'm going to jump way forward. There's, I mean, there's tons of stories. I'm yeah. going to bring it more to where we are now. But one experience that we had, um, I think it was about 2007, six or seven. 
we lived in Idaho now. We're, um, I'm building cabinets at, at our property. Mm -hmm. And um, our children, are, our son's five and daughter's seven or at the time. And I've been building cabinets for like 18 years. When we moved to Idaho, I thought, how will I ever support a family up here? Mm -hmm. I'm used to working in Los Angeles and San mm -hmm. Francisco and the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and big jobs. Yeah. And now I'm in Idaho. I went and visited Lewiston and thought, I don't think I can take care of a family here. Uh -huh. And so I was really nervous. At the time, when we first got the idea, we'll move to Idaho. We were living in California, mm -hmm. helping my wife's mother run a, a health center education program. And um, when we moved here, before we moved, when we knew we were moving to Idaho, I, I decided I better get some work here in California before I leave. Mm -hmm. And then I'll build it there and bring it back. That was my plan yeah. to, to, to take care of our family. Well... Within two weeks, I had four jobs lined up, and I, it was real weird. God just blesses us with work when mm -hmm. we need it, or think we need it. Yeah. And um, so I had four jobs. We moved to Idaho, and now I'm trying to build these jobs. We we have on our property. There's two old houses. One is about 1,600 square feet and not livable. Mm -hmm. So the four of us are living in a 500 square foot apartment. And I'm using the, the bigger building for the shop, but it's really disorganized. And it was not fun to build the cabinets and then haul them all the way back to California. Oh, wow, yeah. That was a bad plan. But God <laughs> said, okay, you want to do it that way? Here, here's four jobs. <laughs> yep, sometimes he lets us do things, even if it's not the best. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, for sure. And we ended up doing two of the jobs, and then one, fortunately, stopped and I just canceled the other one mm. because it wasn't practical mm -hmm. at all. And so now we're here. We, we'd made enough money to last a couple of months and um, I'm thinking I better go down to that city, Lewiston, and see if there's any work to be done. Well, in the big cities, I work with um, interior designers. Okay. And so I thought, what? So I found there was four interior design people in Lewiston. Oh, wow. I took a book full of pictures, and I went and talked to each one of them. I said, I'm a new cabinet builder in town, and this is what I do. Mm -hmm. So I'm showing them pictures, and every, every one I talked to gave me something to bid on. Oh, wow. But what? There was two ladies were sharing a shop, and I was talking with them, showing them pictures. And while I'm talking and showing pictures, one of the ladies gets up and goes to her office and makes a phone call. She comes back, and she says, I just talked to my customer who's building a house out your way somewhere in Orofino, and they're from Scottsdale, Arizona, but they're building a summer house up here, and I think you'd be perfect for their job. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, what are, where do they live exactly? What is their address? And they told me the address, and their mailbox is right next to my mailbox. Oh, my goodness. And it was a job, it was a high-end job that I would expect to find in the cities. Mm -hmm. And here... God was telling me, if I want you to move somewhere, I'll take care of your work also. Awesome. And he put a very high-end job right across the street from where I lived, out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. To me. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so that was another experience that God said, you can trust me. I've got big plans. I've got plans for you. Just 
keep going. And yeah. so, so we, I got those four bids. I put the bids in. Um, I made up the quotes and I turned them all in. And now we're waiting. The, usually we would require a 50% deposit and that got us activated and we started working on the project mm -hmm. so we're waiting for the people it takes a little time for people to decide and yeah. we're waiting but then we're a month goes by and we're still waiting and we're thinking they should be building across the street by now and mm -hmm. um now two months have gone by and now we're getting low on funds and we're thinking i um so we're thinking I don't know when these jobs are going to come through, and we're praying a lot. And um, I, one morning, I'm praying and telling God this problem, and I know He can solve it. And um, please help one of these jobs to come through. And as I'm for 20 minutes telling God how to fix it, uh -huh. I get this interruption, and this thought, distinct thought, came: If I give you these jobs, how are you going to do them? Mm -hmm. And my first thought was like, well, I've been building cabinets for 18 years. What do you mean? How yeah. will I do it? And there was just silence, and I'm thinking, and then I picture my shop. Mm -hmm. And it's really crowded. It's really not organized. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't set up like a production at all. Mm -hmm. It was just makeshift getting by. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, I guess it would be, if I got all four of those at once, I'd be in trouble. Uh-huh. And so... I, I said, okay, I know what I need to do. And I, after I got up from prayer and that the whole rest of the week, I cleaned the shop up. I built jigs so I can make drawers. I got it all set up for production. Mm -hmm. And that following Monday, this was by Friday, following Monday, all four jobs came in. Oh, wow. And so now we have tons of work. Again. Oh, wow. And so God was teaching us that we can just trust him. And mm -hmm. we can do on a few years later, I'm driving down the road, down um, Sunnyside Bench Road. It's mm -hmm. a gravel road. It's about... Not very um, wide. <laughs> yeah. To them delivering cabinets to Lewiston, which is about an hour away. And um, as I drive, that's my time to just reevaluate what the plans are, what talk to God and figure out what's happening. And this day, I just got this feeling of I've been working for almost 20 years now and... I'm still working just as hard. I, we're not a, where we thought we would be. And I just kind of threw my hands in the air and said, my plan's not working. Mm. God, you have to take over because my children are getting older. I don't feel like I'm the priest of the family as much as I'm working so much. I'm hardly there. Um, my plan's not working. You take over. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't maybe two months later a family moved to the area, to Kuski, and they wanted to start a ministry. Mm. And so we met them. They We learned a lot about ministry, and we talked, and we ended up actually going on a mission vision tour with them in 2007 to Thailand and India. Okay. And that was a huge process, too. We didn't have funding for that. We had lots of bills and we couldn't afford to be gone three months and so we had to really think what can we do to make this happen mm -hmm. but we learned through the past that if god says he'll do something that doesn't mean we sit on our back porch and wait for the <laughs> funds to drop out of the sky yeah he's waiting for us to see what can we do to show that we're really serious and interested mm, that's in such doing. a good point and so so always when we're presented with an idea 
we pray about it and we're convicted to do it, then we say, now what can we do to get it started? Mm -hmm. And usually when we take that first step, like the children of Israel, into the water, then things open up and we can get through. Mm -hmm. and, and so we went to Thailand and India. We, um, in that process, it was an amazing experience. I had never been out of the States. And so, well, no, I've been to Australia. Australia. Yeah. But that was... 20 years earlier. Oh, wow. And so this was, to be in Asia was a total different experience. We had heard it's really dirty. Mm -hmm. And when we left, we had three bags of food with us. We didn't know if we would <laughs> wow. eat, be able to eat any of the food there. We uh -huh. were just inexperienced. Yeah. And um, when we got there, we went through Thailand and we had experiences there and we met missionaries. We wanted to find out what is it like for a family to live in a foreign mission field? Mm -hmm. so what would that look like if our family moved to a foreign mission field? Because yeah. we had read a quote that said, if families move to the dark locations of the earth and let the light of Jesus shine through them, much can be accomplished. Mm -hmm. And we're thinking, what much can God do with us? We don't have special skills. I, I don't like to even speak up in Sabbath school class. <laughs> I'm nervous to even talk in class. Yeah. So what could God do with this family? Mm -hmm. And so we were on this trip. And when we went to India for five weeks, there were 17 in the group. And we were assigned six different villages. We broke up into teams. Well, since I had four people in my family, we became the team and I became the evangelist. Mm. And that was like a really big step for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like to put myself in that discomfort, but it's stressful at the same mm -hmm. time. And yeah. so I'm nervous and then my nervousness rubs off on my wife mm -hmm. and she gets nervous and wants to help <laughs> me. And um, when we were in India, I think our son was eight and daughter 10. And the, as we're setting up for the evangelistic meeting in the evening, we would we would stay we'd all stay together in a hotel. Then about three in the afternoon, we'd go to our villages. And we'd walk through the villages and pray and meet people. And if there's anything health wise we could do for them, we would try to do some treatment or something. Mm -hmm. And then in the evening, we would set up outside the church because the Hindu people wouldn't go inside. Oh. So we're kind of by the street outside the church, setting up for the meeting. And there's thirty to fifty kids out in the street getting to know our children. Mm -hmm. well, one evening after the, before the meeting, Micah, our son, runs over and every button on his shirt was popped off his shirt. Oh, Even the ones on his collar were missing. And I said, Micah, what happened? <laughs> Where are all your buttons? And he said, well, the boys were fighting over whose best friend I was and they were pulling on me and they pulled them all off. <laughs> And so we said, okay, maybe you should just stay over near the meeting before. And that was stressful for Lynette. And, yeah. And so when we got back from, after those meetings, though, there were baptisms from our village. We didn't feel, I didn't feel like I even knew what was going on. I, we were told, read this chapter and this chapter and this chapter. It was basically 14 different chapters of um, one of the Spirit of Prophecy books. The name just left me, but um, it's pretty much the whole story of the fall and then Jacob and Joseph and okay. the whole way through it. Yeah. And, um, oh, it's not coming to me. But anyway, so we're going through these lessons and there's a translator telling them and after I'm praying and we're 
we're interacting with the people and um, at the end we had a baptism and from all six villages a hundred people were baptized and four of them were from my village and I thought well if I can just tell the basic children's bible stories and influence people for God's kingdom I want to do that part and so I came back really excited to go to the foreign mission field Mm -hmm. But my wife didn't get the same call, and so it was really it was about three and a half years before we actually oh, wow. moved to Thailand. And um, during that time, we, I mean, uh, I, I can go in. I'll go into this other story. Just stop me if I'm talking nope, too long. You still got some time. Um, I'm going to condense our experience of going to Thailand because we finally. During that three and a half years that my wife wasn't interested in this plan that I felt God was calling us to, um, I spent hours in prayer. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing time for me because I would spend three to four hours and starting at two or three in the morning until whenever. And I would leave that time with just joy that I couldn't stop from singing. It's Mm. an and I think that time, that experience comes when we do the time. Mm-hmm. A lot of time now we're busy and mm-hmm. maybe we only get a few minutes. Or, But when we really take time to, we, it's not a three hours of just talking to God. It's praying and talking and reading and just letting God guide you through your studies. And mm-hmm. it was an amazing experience. I'm, 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 I want it back. Yeah. I've lost it because now we're so busy with work that we fight to make that time. Mm-hmm. And we still get a lot of prayer time, but nothing like that experience. Mm-hmm. And so the time we spend with God, He will bless and um, we can trust what what He's telling us to do. And so finally, Lynette said, okay, maybe we can try it for a year. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm saying, okay, that's let's go before that changes. <laughs> like <And> okay, now. <laughs> so I'm thinking, what do we need to do to make this happen now? Mm-hmm. We have we're all we're in agreement. We should go. Mm-hmm. We're I'd slowly been taking out my work. Um, I had a lot of work. It would take me two to three years to catch up with all the work that was lined up. Mm-hmm. And so I I had not been taking more jobs. I'd just been slowly letting the work run away mm-hmm. and um we started selling stuff everything we had actually we ended up wow. selling everything but the property didn't sell so Lynette's parents took care of that and we ended up going well it's we 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 get all of our debts taken care of and but we have no money to go we we kind of had the same scenario as we said okay we'll go to thailand but this time we have four people. It's probably going to take about $3,000 to reestablish a household mm-hmm. in this land that we don't know that much about. Mm-hmm. And so that was our thing. We needed tickets and $3,000 this time. Oh, wow. And so we said, well, how are we going to get the money now? We're, we, we don't have a little work, but that's just covering our living expenses. And so we thought, well... We'll just start telling people we're moving to Thailand to do mission work. <laughs> and so we started talking about it. Within two weeks, somebody said, we'll buy your family's one-year visas. Wow. And then I'm like, 
Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's confirmation. And then another family says, we'll pay for the, um, another friend says, I'll pay for your rental car to get you from Orofino over to Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so things were opening up. Yeah. And um, then one, then somebody said, we'll buy you one-way tickets. And I'm going, yes, we're on our way. We have a ticket. And Lynette said, one-way tickets? <laughs> Aren't we only going to be there a year? How will we get back with mm -hmm. one-way tickets? We can't use those. Mm -hmm. And so we were on another outside our comfort zone, struggling to decide are we going to trust God or not. Mm -hmm. And um, we decided he's provided in the past. We'll just take the one-way tickets and... Now we're booked in a month, I think it was a month out, we're going again, and wow. we're trying to get that $3,000. Mm -hmm. Well, we're down to just a couple of weeks, and I'm on my knees again in the morning talking to God, and I'm telling Him, you know, we need $3,000 to go to Thailand in a couple of weeks, and um, you can do this and this and this and this. <laughs> and again, I was interrupted with a, just a, a distinct voice in my head said read Matthew 10 I think it's Luke 10 and and so I'm saying Luke 10 what is that about I open my Bible and it's and in there it's talking about when Jesus sent his disciples mm -hmm. I think it's verse 7 it says and when you go don't take an extra coat don't take extra no. purse and um, I'm thinking, Lord, are you telling me to go with what I have right now? Then at the time, we only had $400. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking, $400, this is way, this is the biggest step you've ever asked me to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I could, I mean, I struggled for 20 minutes. I said, I have to have more information. My family's already nervous about the one-way tickets. Mm -hmm. Now, you're saying $400 is enough to yeah. do this? And, and it's a lot different to go with a family than just you and your wife. Yeah, yeah. And so this was a, this was the the really the biggest step God's ever asked me to take out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I struggled for a good 20, 30 more minutes. And I, I stopped. I said, I could need more information. I opened the Desire of Ages, and in there there's a chapter called um, Unto All the World. Mm -hmm. And so I'm reading through that chapter, and in there the idea, I don't remember exact words, but Ellen White says that when we go, when we're sent, called to go, don't take excess. Don't just take what you need mm -hmm. and trust God to provide the rest. Mm. And I, I, I mean, I came down to the point where I, I, had, I knew I had a choice. Mm -hmm. I only had two choices. <laughs> I could either trust God and go forward or I can say no way and end it. Mm -hmm. And I, I had to say, okay, Lord, if you want us to go with $400, I know you can do better than that, but... <laughs> but We'll go with whatever you send us. And we did it. We ended up leaving with $900 and one-way tickets wow. into Thailand. And there's hundreds of stories how God took care of us. He told us, I, I don't know what to talk about. Um, one, ex one more amazing experience was after being there for a year, we met a pastor who, who um, told us, who he, he asked me, he said, I'm getting old, my people really don't understand this uh, work that our foundation's doing. He had started, he had retired from the Thailand mission mm -hmm. and um, had started a foundation to take care of his people, the Karen people, mm -hmm. who were going through genocide mm -hmm. from the Burmese 
um, army or the Myanmar government. And um, so he said, will you help me start a school so I can train my people and will you take care of, help me with fundraising for the projects? At the time, he had 42 little bamboo jungle schools, mm -hmm. 5,000 children in the system and wow. 220 teachers and 40 Bible workers. And he was, he was running around the country seven months out of the wow. year trying to raise enough funds to pay salaries for 300 plus people yeah. and take care of 5,000 children. And so I, it's a, I said, there's no way I can take over what you're doing, but I'll help. Maybe we can form a committee and a group of us can take care of this. Mm -hmm. So we said, we'll do it. And um, through the process, we, we started a training school called Emerald Missionary Training Center about seven years ago. And um, we've done quite a lot to God's blessed us. And there's lots of stories on how all that came about because I, I got, I showed up there with about $900. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't my money that was <laughs> making this happen. No. Oh, so pastor Pamor is his name. Mm -hmm. He was pressing me. You've got to go to America and tell people what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. Go raise funds for these projects. And at the time when he was telling me, can you go to America, I, we had $35 in our bank oh, wow. account. And I'm thinking, I'm telling him, well, we were just in America six months ago. We should wait a little longer. Because <laughs> 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 I had no idea how we would get to America right uh -huh. now. But this went on for two weeks. Every time I'd see him, you got to go, you got to go. Mm -hmm. To the point where finally I was driving home after a meeting with him. And I'm thinking, I've never really known him to be this aggressive or persistent about mm -hmm. something. And I started thinking, what? Maybe God's trying to test me. Um, what can we do with $35? And so I went home. I asked Lynette, what can we do with $35 to go to America and talk about all these projects? And we're like, oh. We, we finally came up with a terrible idea, but... It's an amazing story of how God turned that nothing into something. Uh -huh. So we thought, well, if we can take the, the bags, the Karen people make a really nice handmade bag. Mm -hmm. We can fill up our suitcases with these bags, take them to America and sell them. And we can probably make enough money to fund the trip. That was our plan. Mm -hmm. But then we thought, $35 isn't going to buy too many bags. And so we're really... We're going to need some help from somebody. This is just our thought process. Mm -hmm. And um, we, we, we said, well, we don't want to, we need bag money. We need ticket money, which for four people at the time was around $5,000. Wow, yeah. And um, we'll need travel money when we get there. So we figured it's going to be like $10,000. And who can we ask for $10,000? We yeah. thought that's going to overwhelm. And that was way bigger faith than we had at the time. And so we said, well, if we can get the ticket money, then we know we're going. Mm -hmm. We'll worry about the rest if we get the ticket money. If we don't get the ticket money, we don't need to worry about the rest. So let's just focus on the $5,000. Well, we had met maybe eight months before something, a family had visited the Chiang Mai Adventist Church and we had met them. They had four children, mm -hmm. a couple and four children. We had invited to our home and we spent about three or four days just interacting with them and kind of had a good experience. And we thought, well, let's just ask them. 
what if we don't know them at all. I mean, we don't know <laughs> what they're capable of, but let's yeah. just send them. We know they're, they're business people, so let's send them our business plan and see what happens. So we wrote them our plan about how we'll buy these bags and we'll travel around the three months and sell them, and we, we're confident we can make enough money to um, pay them back. Mm-hmm. Well, the next day we get an email back from them, and they said, it sounds like you'll spend your whole three months selling bags and not have any time to talk about the work you're doing. We'll buy your tickets. Oh, wow. And so here God had given us the tickets. Uh-huh. And... And we said, okay, he's sending us, we better make a plan. Uh-huh. And so we we opened up our calendars. We knew we'd be there for three months. Uh-huh. And we looked at the months, and we broke it down into what camp meetings could we visit during those oh. three months, uh-huh. and what churches are between those camp meetings, uh-huh. and what people's homes are between those churches. <laughs> and we wrote everyone. Wow. And we ended up, within two weeks, everyone wrote us back and said, yes. Your plan fits our schedule, and wow. we we had our whole ninety day trip confirmed, and we only had to stay in a hotel two nights. Wow! We were in somebody's home the rest of the time. Wow! And so it was an amazing confirmation to us of with God's in the plan, He takes care of the details. Wow! Yeah, so, that's crazy because that's like ninety days worth of homes yeah. about that you had to stay in, and for every single person. Yeah, it and works we out. traveled, I think, around fifteen thousand miles wow. around the country visiting camps and people and sharing what God is doing in Thailand. And so that was like how we launched our ministry into the um, into helping Pastor Pamora. Oh that's cool. So I'm gonna close it by saying that um, my hope is that people will get excited about testing God's word and mm-hmm. reading. And now when they read, maybe highlighting those promises and then remembering them so that when an, a circumstance comes up, you can just write it down right by that request and um, expect God to keep his word. And um, I mean, there's hundred I, I don't know if I have a hundred stories I could probably come up with 50 stories <laughs> um, but today so we have our ministry is called leading to the light mm-hmm. and we've been working with the Karen people and the Thai people for the last 10 years it they, actually this November 29 will be our 10th year wow over there wow next month that's awesome that's awesome yeah. to hear about your story of your faith starting out going to Australia yeah, and how God's grown it. Throughout. Yeah, it's an amazing experience. And there's lots of roadblocks and distractions and trials. Yep. And, That's just but how life is. It's, it's faster. It, it's made us quicker to turn to God for help. Mm. Um, it's still not joy and happiness. Um, although there's always some kind of trial. Mm-hmm. But through those trials, we can even grow stronger and um seek his word and his um, will mm-hmm. easier. So, Well, thank you so much for sharing today. Thank you that for was... letting me share. I love talking about what God can do. Oh, and we'd love to hear about it. But thank you so much. And everybody else have a good day. Bye.